Hello? It's, oh, yes, there's a, there's a positive. Anyway, good morning to you. This lovely Sunday morning, 28th of March, still 1920, 2021. Bless you all this morning. That, those that are in the room, those that are online, those that can now hear me, for better or for worse. And if you can't hear me with the microphone, you certainly can with the volume of my voice. I've given up on technology. Bless you all this morning. I know so much has happened in your individual lives and in the life of the church, some of which has been welcome and exciting and good, and, and some less so, to say the least, and has been difficult for us. So we know as a church that we are here to smile and laugh with you, but we're also here to cry and weep uh, with you as well. So we are a family, a family of God's people here. A couple of quick notices, if I may, beyond the film that you may have just seen. Uh, one, of course, is to welcome Karen Lita and Will Vara into eldership. So that happened on Thursday evening at the church members' meeting uh, when they were voted in to join us in the eldership, which is such a delight for us. And I hope it will be a blessing for them as well. One of the things struck me as you look at the sort of uh, university challenge view of life through Zoom, we're all in our little boxes, was just what a lovely church you are. It is, uh, I know it's, a, it's an easy thing to say, but I just looked at you with such pride and love when I looked out that screen, knowing so many of you for so long that we've been on such journeys together. I, I've known so much about your lives, and there's so much more to go yet, but it just struck me as an absolute delight, and my heart was full of love. And it made me think that if that's the small, small bit of uh, um, feeling and sense I got from you as a people, just imagine what God must be feeling about you this morning. You know, his heart must be, be racing and singing uh, as he thinks about each and every individual one of you as you are his children. So that makes it something to wake up to, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Brilliant, and those at home said, yeah, that's absolutely delight, fantastic. It just makes, brings us awake, doesn't it, in so many ways. Anyway, on, on Thursday also this week, we, we said goodbye to uh, uh, Paulette Ryan with her family here uh, for her funeral. She died on the 17th of February, and Ryan uh, led a, a beautiful service uh, uh, to commemorate her life and to commit her, and uh, obviously for the family later on at the graveside. So she was a delight to have with us for so many years, and she was uh, wished well on her way by many loved ones and family here on Thursday. Also, we, uh, we, we will, I've no doubt, spend some time in prayer, and of course we have the prayer meeting at 12 noon, which to some of you will be one this afternoon, and that, that prayer time is when we can get closer to one another and pray for the things that we need to pray for, and of course we'll pray for many things, but one I want to just pray for Thanksgiving for, for Andrew Burley, for all of that quiet, unsung, wonderful service he gave to Paulette over all those years, picking up and carrying her. It is, it is those who are quiet that deserve the best seating in heaven, those that um, just quietly do that wonderful work amongst his people, and as I say, Andrew is a, is a real star in that. He will have a front row seat when he gets to paradise. I will have one near the back behind a pillar. But I will be there. That's the important thing. So it may have an obscured view, as they say in theatre land, but it will be a place of rejoicing. I know that for sure. And of course, this week we also pray, and I hope we keep in our prayers, uh, Ruth Purchase and her family, her boys, her, her children, 
as they learn to live without Dave. Uh, this isn't a short-term thing, of course. Uh, we need to continue to remember them in our prayers, in our thoughts, and in our deeds, of course. But today is a reason to be happy. Yeah, today is the first day of the Holy Week. This is the week that we can justifiably leap around the place. Now, if I had any energy left after doing a week's worth of DIY, I would do it. I wouldn't really, but anyway. It is a fantastic week, isn't it? Palm Sunday, and it's a time when we celebrate when Jesus entered Jerusalem in that triumphant way. And it's recorded in Scripture. I just want to share, if I may, just a couple of pieces of Scripture, some of which I've no doubt are very familiar to you. It says this in Matthew. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. That is so exciting, isn't it? And we'll also hear that in heaven. It'll just be, I don't know why people who aren't Christian want to go to heaven. Because it says we will spend our days rejoicing and worshipping God. What a joy and what an excitement that'll be. It says this in Psalm. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. And in King, two kings, they quickly took their cloaks and spread them under him on the bare steps. Then they blew the trumpet and shouted, Yehu is king. You haven't got a trumpeter, but, you know, some years ago we had a, we had a, a pastor who, did, who was a trumpeter. And when that trumpet sounds, that's quite something, isn't it? Especially if it's out of context, out of, not in a, a, in a, a, a band in an orchestra, but when you just hear the trumpet, it's a loud, shrill, exciting, insistent noise that you can't do anything other than recognize. So that's exciting to think that that will be one of the sounds we will hear, and that was blown on this day all those years ago. It says this in Luke, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. These, uh, these are fantastic words that have been recorded and saved for us. And then finally, if I may, for scripture, it has to be said, is that this week, this holy week, as Jesus enters Jerusalem and it ends on that resurrection uh, a week later. It says this in John, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's exciting, yeah? And this is the week we enter. This is the week that Christians live for. This is the week, it's beyond all the, the, uh, the, the commercial sense of what it's about. This is the week that we really uh, have held high the ministry of Jesus Christ all those years ago uh, in his three years. It comes to fruition in this week, and it is so exciting. So you'll have seen, that's, that I've no doubt Ryan will pick up. I, just a, a wild idea. He may mention Psalm Sunday uh, this morning in some way. But... you. I think the advertising said um, Alpha starts online on the 20th of April. Please do pray and think about who you might want to ask. Uh, we had um, Gareth here last week who was sharing his thoughts, his view of what Alpha meant to him. So the good thing about this is people don't need to live nearby or be able to get away uh, in the evening so easily to join us. It's simply a question of logging on, and there we are. And, of course, that uh, Gareth also mentioned he's m moving on uh, with Matt and Claire in furthering his view and vision of uh, understanding of Christ. So, 20th of April, that is when Alpha is. So, a lot going on in the life of the church, a lot going on in each of our lives, and a very exciting time at the beginning of this week. And I'm sorry about the sound difficulties at the beginning of this service. So let me just pray for a moment. 
Yeah, Lord, we just thank you that you are interested in our lives. You are involved in our lives. You give us words and scripture that inspire us and, and give us understanding of, of why your son came to this earth, who lived and died for us and gave us such a clear symbol, a clear symbol of hope, a new relationship with you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you use such everyday, everyday items, such as uh, uh, the foal of a colt, to, for us to understand how you connected scripture and prophecy in, in the word. We thank you, Lord, that you, you care about us, that you make us understand a little of what you intend for us. So we ask your blessing on this place this morning. We ask your blessing on Ryan as he brings the word to us and help us, Lord, to understand what is being shared with us. In your precious name, amen. Hello. Can you hear me? Wasn't it funny? It's okay to make mistakes in church. I often find I'm a lot better when you can't hear me, David, actually. I find I never put a foot wrong when you can't hear me. But I trust you can hear me at home, and I trust you can hear me here. Welcome, family in the building, and welcome wherever you're listening from as we kick off Easter week on Palm Sunday. And I love Palm Sunday. I was going to cut off one of the palm leaves from the palm we have in the garden, but it looked pretty kind of struggling with a cold, and I didn't want to finish it off. But just imagine we're waving a palm leaf now. So anyway, I heard about a little boy, and he was so excited about coming to church on Palm Sunday, so excited. But he got ill. He got ill, and everyone went, oh, hopefully you at home are quicker than the group here. But he, he was upset, so he had to stay at home with mum, and his dad came to church instead. And, and his dad came in the front door, and he was waving this palm he got in church, and his son said, Dad, why have you got that palm? Where did you get that from? He said, we got it from church. He said, you know, it's Palm Sunday today. We celebrate that Jesus came into town. And so we were worshipping him and waving our palms. It was a great service. And he went, Dad, I can't believe it. The one time Jesus has turned up in church and I missed it. <laughs> That's the only Palm Sunday joke I could actually find that I could share with you. But anyway, it's Palm Sunday. It's Palm Sunday, or the day that Jesus came into town, where Jesus showed up. And that's an amazing truth for us, because we often talk about getting into heaven, don't we? We say about getting into heaven, but Christ came to get heaven into us. He came to bring heaven to earth, and that is a reason to celebrate. He didn't send a substitute. There were messengers he sent, but ultimately the messengers were there to say, the king is coming and the king will come again. He didn't send someone else, he came himself. So many of you know the story, others won't, so I'm going to read it from John 12, starting at verse 12. So this is the background, and the heading is this, Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. So John 12, starting at verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. 
only after Jesus had been crucified and resurrected and was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead. Word continued to spread. Many people, because they'd heard that, he'd performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees, the religious leaders, said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. So a powerful passage of scripture which sets the scene for this Palm Sunday. Now, palms were signs of victory, signs of military achievement. They were awarded in Roman games to show success and victory. Emperors gave them to returning generals from the various quests and conquering. So they were, they were signs of military achievement. They were signs that symbolized victory. But they're also symbols of peace, symbols of goodness as well. So we see references to palms throughout history, but actually they're also referenced in the Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 29, it says they were carved into the walls of the temple. The mighty and beautiful temple that God instructed Solomon to build had palms carved into the walls. In the New Testament, Revelation 7, verse 9, there's a future picture of the church. We're dressed in white robes and we're waving palm branches to worship the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. So this passage of scripture, as exciting as it is, is a foretaste of what is ahead. It's an eschatological breakthrough. Whoa, do you like that? I got it down in one go. It's an eschatological breakthrough. I'll only say it twice because the third time I'll get it wrong. It's a foretaste. Although it's amazing in itself, it's a foretaste of something spectacular ahead. Because one day, all of us will be worshipping the King of glory. So that is a future time as well as celebrating what happened now. So Jesus enters Jerusalem. The crowds believed he's the King, the Saviour who had come to establish Israel's freedom. They wanted freedom from the kingdom of Rome, freedom from Rome's dominion. So they were excited when he came to town. They thought he would liberate them, save them, free them. They wanted a political hero. They wanted a powerful king. They wanted a mighty general. So they were expecting a champion. So they're hopeful. They're excited. There's anticipation in the air. And this event was planned. This event was planned long before by God. The prophets knew, the high priests knew. They would have known the passage that David mentioned in Zechariah 9, verses 9 to 10, that describes how the Messiah, how the Saviour would arrive in Jerusalem. He would arrive on a young donkey's back. He would arrive and he would proclaim a message of peace. He would clear out the chariots. He would clear out the war horses. So his arrival was anticipated. It was expected. This was happening before their very eyes. God was coming to town. Yet some still grumbled. Some still resisted. Some resented. In fact, you see that when we enter Good Friday just a few days later, how everything changed, although the King of Kings was coming into town. And it shows you even when God turns up, even when the perfect Son of God turns up, people still reject they still criticize, and they still grumble. It shows you that you can be perfect. Everything you do to be perfect, and even then you just won't not be accepted 
but you'll be rejected. Isn't that an amazing and powerful truth? Why is it powerful? Because ever felt rejected? Ever felt sidelined? People cheer us one minute, and then the next, they're against us, like they were with Jesus. One minute, they're waving palm branches from a tree. The next minute, they're calling for him to be nailed to a tree, as we see with the events of Good Friday. Take the 12 disciples, this ragtag bunch that he'd chosen, that he'd loved, that he'd poured his life into for those three years, his closest friends, betrayed by one, denied by another, and doubted by another. And as the events unraveled in Holy Week, one by one, they fled and they left him, rejected alone. So maybe you feel that. You know what? Maybe you've been rejected or you've experienced that. Maybe you've done everything right and yet still you can face rejection. Well, the amazing thing about Christ is you can do everything wrong, yet he still accepts, he still delights, he still calls us. And that's a wonderful feeling that he always accepts, always approves, always loves because we reject ourselves, don't we? Ever rejected yourself? You reject yourself, you start comparing, we start measuring. The danger when we start to compare, often we take our weakness and we compare ourselves with other people's strengths. And when we start doing that, we're on a downward spiral. We compare our talents, we compare our role, we compare our intelligence, we compare our weight, we compare our fitness, we compare our height. People compare their wealth. Those that have very little think, oh, maybe people will judge me because I haven't got very little. I meet people that have a lot. They've been successful and they're wealthy, but somehow they feel bad. They feel guilty that they have stuff. So we can compare and reject ourselves for a variety of reasons. When you start to compare against others, we look unimpressive. We feel unimpressive. That's what happens. But remember Jesus' parade. It wasn't very impressive. By the world standard, it wasn't impressive. He's not wearing shiny metal armor. He hasn't got a sword decorated in the scabbard with jewels. He hasn't got a shiny helmet with bright red plumage coming down his back. Not at all like a general or a warrior or a king. I've not read many stories of generals, of warriors, of kings, of queens, of pharaohs that say, I really want to impress them today. When I enter the city, I really want to impress them. Bring them my donkey. It doesn't happen. We don't call. You don't see them call for the donkey. No, what do they call on? Chariots and elephants and mighty war horses ornate chariots in the past and limousines now, limousines with an entourage of people to show their importance, to show their prestige. Yet Jesus comes on a lowly donkey and I never get bored. Every Palm Sunday I think of that. Who did the king of creation choose? A donkey. An animal that would be seen as the most lowly you could possibly choose to enter for a victory march. Imagine that little donkey the sacred throne of the king of all creation. So many seek power and position and elevation and success. Jesus came filled with humility. He was humble. He came to serve. 
riding on the smallest and most insignificant animal that he could. Hands up if you've ever felt like a donkey in your life. Yeah. For the note and for the record, there's a few people in this church putting their hand up. So if you feel like you're a bit of a donkey, you'll fit right in here. Anyway, I'm sure many of you at home feel the same. We can feel like that. We can feel like that. Well, chin up. God uses donkeys. He uses donkeys. Yes, he'll use stallions, majestic stallions and beautiful mares, but you don't need to be that majestic stallion or that mighty mare to be used by God. He uses us all. I love in 1 Corinthians 27, it says this, God chose the foolish things of the world. If you ever felt foolish, put your hands up. I'm putting both mine up. He chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Because God takes the ordinary, people like you and me, to do the extraordinary. If you look at the disciples, they wouldn't be the first pick in any team you would choose at that time. Yet he chose them and he appointed them. Maybe you don't feel valued in your school or your college or university, in your job or that key relationship. I know there's pastors out there and you don't feel valued by your church and I know you're struggling, but you have value in God's eyes. All of us have value in God's eyes. If you ever doubt that value, then just remember he chose you, he created you and he delights in you. If you're a master craftsman, you don't create something and put your name on it if you're not delighted with it. He chose you. And if you doubt that, you wait till we get to Good Friday and recognize what he did to pay the price for you, to purchase you to be part of his kingdom. You did not choose him. He has chosen you. And he has appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. John 15, 16. You know what? Not many of us look impressive on the outside. But look at outward appearance. Think of Jesus. He didn't look much from the outside. In our world, so often, we're discounted by the way we look before someone's even seen us. They look at our age. They may look at the color of our skin. They may hear our accent and immediately put us into a little pocket that doesn't fit with the narrative of what successful people speak like. It happens with age. We discount people because we think, oh, you're a bit old now. You're yesterday's man or woman. Sometimes we're discounted so quickly before we've even had an opportunity because the world looks at the external. But what does it say about Jesus? Isaiah 53, verse 2. Jesus, no stately form or majestic splendor that we would look at him, nor handsome appearance that we would be attracted to him. He chose not to have any of the outward appearance the world sees of value. He didn't look impressive the way the world sees impressive, which is largely outwardly. In fact, while he was entering through the East Gate, this ramshackle group of people, at the same time, there was another mighty kingdom that was being displayed through the West Gate. The kingdom of Rome was coming. The dominion of Rome was arriving a parade designed to show the might of Rome. Because the Romans knew that at times of celebrations like Passover, that's when there'd be insurrection. That's where all the people would flood into Jerusalem and there could be riots. So what they would do is they would send in troops 
the Roman governor Pontius Pilate would call up troops from the Roman coastal garrison at Caesarea. He would bring them up and he would bring them into Jerusalem. The Roman governor himself would ride on a mighty war horse in the main gate with a full military entourage. The might of the power of Rome, the kingdom of Rome, the might of Rome. The Roman soldiers marching in formation, that formidable sound as the armor rises and falls. Shields shining in the sun, armor shining in the sun, helmets, swords, daggers horses. It would have been an impressive sight, one that would have drawn the crowds. What a completely different kingdom and a completely different parade to the King of Kings. It makes me laugh that the God of the angel armies, the legions upon legions of angel armies, one angel can speak a word of God and a nation disappears. One angel, he commands the legions. And yet he comes, the king of all creation, in a low-key way, through another gate, riding a donkey. Two parades, two kingdoms. God's kingdom and the kingdom of man. You know, the kingdoms of earth look impressive. The powerful in the world look impressive. But if you scratch the surface, the glitz and the glamour doesn't last for long. The kingdoms of the world are in an awful lot of mess. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of people struggling. The kingdoms of earth aren't so good if you are poor or you are disenfranchised or you are lonely or you are brokenhearted or you are vulnerable or you are uneducated. But the good news is there is another kingdom. There is another kingdom, and it's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God, and it's the kingdom where God reigns, where God is in charge, when God's will is done, when God's will is followed, when we live under God's will and God's guidance, when his love is in operation, where there is goodness, where there is peace, where there is joy, where there is hope, where there is forgiveness, where there is grace, where there is mercy, mercy reigns, where the fruit of the Spirit is evident. The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit is evident. Divine love in its varied expressions. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Kindness in action. Where God's kingdom reign, this breaks out. The most famous prayer in the world. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom, your kingdom. In other words, this is God's plan. He says, I have come, and I will come again, and I've brought my kingdom with me, and I want you to be part of that kingdom. I want you to join the movement. I want to give you my kingdom. I want you to be part of the parade. I'm offering it to you. In Paulette's funeral, we were mindful of that taste of glory. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. When you think of the wonder of his kingdom, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, those that join his movement, those that join his parade, those that receive his kingdom. And he wants to share his kingdom with you and with me. That is awesome. That is awesome. We don't have to wait to that final resurrection parade, because his kingdom wants to break in now through us, through Jesus Christ. He wants to release it through us. People say, well, if his kingdom is evident, Ryan, why is there so much pain? Why is there so much mess? Why is there so much suffering? Because God allows us the choice to choose. Which kingdom we choose, which parades we join, there is a choice. 
there is a choice. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, with the spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. There is freedom to choose. So people choose wrong. They choose earthly kingdoms, but we can choose. And you know why I love that? Because if you've ever felt disenfranchised, if you've ever felt powerless, you have power. Every one of us has power to choose the kingdom, and nobody or nothing can stop us from that kingdom. Paul says that, not death, not life. No power on heaven or earth can stop us and separate us from the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. You have power to choose, and nobody can take that from you. Don't ever forget that you have power to choose your kingdom. It's open to every single person, which is why Christ says, do not be afraid, little flock. The good shepherd calls us his flock. For your Father has been pleased to give you, 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 me, the the kingdom. When we receive the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is in us, when we start to get closer to God and let the Holy Spirit flow through us, our words begin to change our environment. Our words bless, they don't blister. They heal, they don't hurt. They build up, they don't tear down. They soothe, they don't sear. With every act of kindness, a bit more of God's kingdom is breaking out, is breaking out into the world when through us we let God shine through our lives. God's kingdom is breaking in. With every act we do in Jesus' name, more is happening. More join his parade, his kingdom, his movement. It starts to operate on earth as it does in heaven. Jesus did not just come, as I said at the beginning, to get us into heaven. He came to get heaven into us. And he's calling us to join his parade and join his kingdom because the time is short. The time is short. And he says, come on, come on. Don't be distracted. This world looks glamorous and there's power and there's position, there's money and there's sparkly things. Just like that Roman parade, that Roman kingdom. That happens. But he's saying, come to my side, come to my kingdom, join me. There's some of you here, if I asked you, here in this building and here at home, are you followers of Jesus Christ? And you would put your hand up and you would say, yes, hallelujah, amen. But you know what? If some of you are honest, you may have made a decision to follow Christ, but you've been turning at the other kingdom, at the other parade, the glitz and the glamour of what the Roman emperor was doing through the West Gate. Maybe not all at once, but you've started to align more with the worldly things, more with what goes on in the world than what Jesus Christ is doing. And what a week to say today, I'm turning my eyes back. I've been pulled over to this. I've started to enter this comparison and this power, seeking this, seeking that, and I'm not. Lord, I'm going back to you. I'm going back to you. And I'm going to start today, so maybe that's you. You're going to say, I'm going to turn my eyes back. Maybe there's others of you here that say, you know what? I don't even know why I'm tuned in today. Press the wrong button on YouTube and just keep listening. Well, why don't you make that decision to say, I've looked at what the world has to offer. And actually, it's coming up short. Maybe I'm going to turn my eyes to Jesus and start to see what he has, start to follow him. Some of you young ones, listen in. You've got dreams and you've got aspirations, and we want you to change this world. We want you to change this world. But can I say to you, whatever you do, whatever success, however many OBEs or MBEs or titles you have, whatever awards or accolades from man, they will come up short unless Jesus Christ is in the middle of your life. He and only he will make your life complete. 
So maybe for you, make sure he is in the center of all you do. Stay aligned with him. All the other parades, all the other kingdoms will satisfy you or pacify you for a time. His kingdom satisfies for an eternity. There is a big difference. Don't get me wrong. We are called to be in the world, not of the world. That means you are called to be in other parades. You're called to be in other kingdoms. You're called to be in every sphere of life. Why? Because when you know Christ, you release his kingdom in that sphere. Schools and uh, courts and uh, governments and big business need followers of Christ in every sphere. You will need to operate in those kingdoms, but you can bring the kingdom of God when you know Jesus Christ. You can choose the kingdom you are in and the kingdom you bring into any other kingdom you enter. Palm Sunday is a foretaste of a parade that's happening that will happen at one time. Would you like to hear about it? Are you excited? In closing, Colossians 1, starting at verse 17. Gosh, if I could dance, I would start dancing now. But hey, we did that once before. So Christ holds it all together. Listen to this. We look at this sun and we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son, Jesus Christ, and we see God's original purpose in everything he created, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its proper purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and he holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. How about that for a parade to join? The resurrection parade with legion upon legion of angels, with the king, and you are part of that royal family when you receive him. You'll be part of that resurrection parade. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything and everyone. So spacious is he, so expansive that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Does this rock your world? This rocks mine. And I love this next bit. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe. If you feel broken or you feel dislocated, listen to this, because all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things and animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood, that poured down from the cross. And that's where we're heading for Good Friday, that all of this, this resurrection parade is possible because the King of Kings came, and he hung on a cross and he rose again. And through his resurrection, we're invited to be part of the resurrection parade. He wants to give you and I a share in his kingdom. My goodness. Grab it with both hands. Grab it. If you already know him, hold on to it and don't ever let it go. And if you don't, grab it with both hands. You have the power to choose. If you don't know Jesus Christ, just remember this, RBR. Turn to the person next to you and say, RBR. RBR. 
Repent, believe, receive. Repent, believe, receive. Repent and you say, Lord, I'm so sorry that I have got it wrong. I'm sorry, but B, I believe. I believe that you came and I want to join your parade and receive. I receive you, Jesus Christ. I receive your kingdom. I receive your presence. Repent, believe, receive. If you don't know him yet, I'm going to say to you, call out to him and ask him to be real to you and walk with him this Easter week and you will see the magnitude of his love for you. Maybe there's others of you that go, not quite there yet. Well, can I just say, why don't you just turn your eyes just to that pray with Jesus? Maybe you just log on. You log on to some services and you just say, I'm going to watch from distance, but I'm going to start to hear more about this Christ. Maybe that's your decision today. Some of you here, you will declare you follow him but your eyes have been on a different kingdom and a different parade, this is the time to turn back. And for those of you that are on fire for God, the super Christians, the super duper Christians that stand majestically, almost with their pants on the outside and a, this is in my notes, and a cloak flowing down their back, the super men and women, well, can I say something to you? Well, it says in scripture, Matthew 5, 16, they will see your good deeds, others, and they'll glorify their Father in heaven. Bring glory to your Father. Shine brightly and through your lives, let others see you are following a kingdom and a parade that's worth following. And invite others to attend. Invite them to Alpha. Get them along to listen online. Get them along. Speak to them. If that's you, you hold something so precious, bring others. Invite others along. We can change this world for the better, and we will because this church continues to grow, doesn't it? Amen. So, I think I'm going to pause for a moment and uh, just let the Lord speak to you. Just let it wash over you and hold on to what he's saying to you. Dear Lord, thank you that you came. Thank you that you came for us. Yes, to get us into heaven, but actually to get heaven into us. To release your kingdom into our lives, to release your Holy Spirit into our very being. To walk with us through those painful and dark times in life, to bring us through those, but also to celebrate on those mountaintops. Thank you that you place us in your church, Lord. Thank you that together we grow closer to you. Lord, I pray for those today that uh, maybe don't know you, that they will remember that, that RBR, to repent, to acknowledge none of us are good enough to earn a place in your kingdom. But when we acknowledge we're not good enough, when we believe in you, when we receive you, you give us the right to become children of God. We then walk into your presence and we share in your kingdom. And Lord, that starts right now. When we make a decision to follow you, your kingdom is already being built here on earth. So I pray for those 
that might make that decision today. And for others that, Lord, are just on that fence, maybe that may be, that, Lord, you'll help them just to turn their eyes, to start to walk along, to walk with you and get to know you. Lord, for those that maybe have drifted, that know you but have started to look at the other kingdoms, the other parades, Lord, help to turn back, to focus on you. The one that brings true satisfaction, true purpose. And Lord, for those that are on fire, for those that know you, Lord, may they continue through their deeds to shine so brightly that others will see them, but through their actions, through their words, they will glorify you. And others will be drawn to you through them. That they will invite others to join your parade, to be part of your kingdom. Thank you that you call each one of us. May we walk in that vibrant harmony together as we walk together in your parade through Holy Week, as we walk through to Maundy Thursday at the arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane, as we walk with you through the the horrors of the cross, but then we rise up with you on Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, that foretaste of one day we will be walking in that resurrection parade because all who call on your name are saved and share in your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I'll see you next week. So in the meantime, stay safe and stay connected with God and with one another. Bless you all. See you next week. Morning, church. As Ryan, as Ryan was uh, talking about the other kingdom, the words "we march to a different beat" came to my mind. You know, so that's something I'm going to keep. But this week, um, as I was preparing, I came across Luke 19, and this is after the people came and sang "Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord." Verse 39 says, some Pharisees from the crowd told him, told Jesus, teacher, get your disciples under control. In other words, tell them to shut up. But he said, if they kept quiet, the stones would do it for them, shouting praise. I just thought that's so amazing. You know, Hosanna actually means save us. And I have prayed a lot of save us prayers in my life, but maybe let's see, I want to invite you along with us to, to turn that save us prayers to Jesus and, and, and say it as a Hosanna prayer because then we, our eyes are fixed on him and we can march to a different beat. Amen.
Oh. 
Alpha Online is a free course designed to give you the space and time to ask the big and often challenging questions about life, faith, and meaning. No filters, just honest discussion. To attend an Alpha Online, all you have to do is sign up and then join a weekly online call, all from the comfort of your home. Everything else is taken care of by your hosts. So feel free to pour yourself a drink, get comfy, get your laptop ready, and you are good to go. What have you got to lose? Try Alpha online.